Let me pray. <laughs> Father, help us to, as we look at your word and have a look at your, your, your work as your church is, is set up to explode across the world. Help us to be wanting to be people who are part of a church that wants to explode to change your world for the good. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've ever bought a new home, you know that it is a big deal. It's very costly to buy a house. It's a big commitment and there's lots of legalities you have to go through. And really when you buy a new home, it really does mark a new chapter in your life. It's a huge change. It, it, it's the start of a new way of living when you get a new home. So lots of people, lots of young couples, for instance, they might be renting an apartment, then they buy a house, suddenly they have to buy a mower and start mowing the lawn. It's a change. And when we buy a new house, we're really hoping for things to be better. That There's this promise in that new house, we hope, of a new life, a new place to belong. And it's funny how we... <coughs> We apportion to our houses where we live almost a part of ourselves. So it becomes home. It becomes comfort. It becomes a place to belong. You know, if you've ever stayed in a fancy hotel room, you'll know that this is incredibly luxurious. It's incredibly comfortable and it's sterile. If you've ever stayed in an executive apartment, you've got all the mod cons you could want, but it's not home. It's not me. I don't belong. Home means security and comfort and warmth and identity and belonging. It's, it's me. It's my home. The church theme for this year is, as you've seen in the foyer, belong. Your place in the family of God. We want you to see church as home. This church is home to belong. In fact, Hillsong, I don't know if they still have this, but I know in their, um, in their big auditorium down here at Norwest, they had a big sign as you walked in, Welcome home. As if church is to be like a home. Penno. A place to belong, to be secure, that's warm, that's comfortable, that gives me identity, that's actually me at church, where I can find rest. We don't want hotel church, which is all very, very comfortable and very slick, but not home. We don't want work church, where everything's efficient and clean and purposeful. We want home church. So I've said if you move into a new home, it's a radical change. Well, in the Bible, there is a radical change in the Bible story. There's a radical change when God establishes a new home for his people, a new spiritual place of belonging. And that radical change begins with the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, God with us, Emmanuel. And Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, establishes a new covenant. That is, a new way of relating with God. New promises, new grounds for belonging. And creates, through his work, a new 
home for God's people. And today as we begin a series on just the first two chapters in the book of Acts, I've titled this series, A New Home. Because we look here at Jesus' followers, those who have been following him, as they enter the new home Jesus has created for them. And the passage today, this house, well, it's all set in place. The deal's already been done. These followers of Jesus, they can enter the house, this new home, but, but actually not quite yet. I'm hoping that today, as we look at Acts chapter 1, 1 to 11, you'll understand what Jesus has done to establish this new house and what it means to belong in this new house called church, the church of Jesus, and what it means to make it our home. What it means to live in that house. Now, if you buy a property, your first thing you do after you've done all the inspections, etc., and made the offer, the first thing you do is you sign a contract. The contract outlines how much that property is going to cost you, the price it has to be paid. It tells you the basis for ownership. There's all this legal mumbo-jumbo in there that most of us don't bother reading that says you're now an owner. This is what it means. It tells you usually what the boundaries of the property are, where it begins and ends, any issues that need to be handled before the exchange so that you can belong in that house. So the church of Jesus, as a new home for the people of God, it too has contract terms. And they're established by Jesus and his gospel, his good news. Right at the start here of Luke, in my former book, Theophilus, I don't know why this happens. There we are. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about, all about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Paul said, Luke says, I've written about this. In fact, Luke wrote two accounts which we have in the Bible of what Jesus did. The first we call the Gospel of Luke. It tells us what Jesus did in his life to establish this new covenant, this new relationship. It begins with his birth. It goes through with his life and his miracles and his teaching. It ends with the cross, his death, and his resurrection and his appearances. The second account of what Jesus did, well, it's the Acts of the Apostles that we're starting in today. Because the Acts is what Jesus continues to do as he establishes this new house, his church, his people. And the gospel, which is kind of Luke's gospel, sets out the contract terms. Acts tells us what happens when they enter the new home and they belong in that new home. Both Luke's Gospel and the Acts of the Apostles, they're both Jesus at work. Because they're both secured by his work, by his Gospel, his good news. So what is this Gospel? What is this good news of Jesus? Well, in one sense, it's Luke's Gospel. It's everything he did. 
We have four Gospels, but I think perhaps the best summary of the Gospel is found in Paul's letter to the Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, Paul says to this church in, in Greece, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the Gospel, the good news. That that's the Gospel I preached to you, that you've received and on which you've taken your stand. I want to tell you about the Gospel. By this Gospel you're saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. You need this gospel. For what I received, says Paul, I've passed on to you as of first importance. Here it is. That Christ the Messiah died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared. To Cephas, that's Peter. And then to the 12 apostles. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living. You can talk to them. Though some have now, when Paul writes, fallen asleep, passed away. The gospel says that Jesus died a real death as a substitute sacrifice for the sins of the world. It was so real he was buried and he then experienced on the third day a real bodily resurrection. And it was so real that he appeared to many, many people. And there is plenty of proof that he was alive. Because hundreds saw him. When we get to Acts of the Apostle, Luke reminds us of the contract terms. He reminds us of the gospel. He says, after Jesus' suffering... He presented himself to them, to the apostles, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. He spoke about the new house. There's a new home, it's my kingdom. If we go to the end of Luke's Gospel, which is the first account, we actually see the same contract terms with the same expectations. Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. All the Old Testament, it's all about me, says Jesus in my Gospel. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer. And rise from the dead on the third day. Here is the gospel. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So let's be clear. There is no church. There is no new house. There is no belonging. There is no peace and security and hope and kingdom and forgiveness without the acceptance of these gospel truths. That Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day and it was real, he appeared. This is not just a message either, it's personal. It's being captured by these messages and committing yourself to Jesus as risen Lord. 
So our church that we want to belong to is not a social club. It's not a good works factory, a bunch of people who get together and say, let's do good and be nice. It's not a religious assembly. You can have all sorts of religious assemblies, not Jesus' church. It's not a museum that keeps cultural practices alive from 500 years ago. It is a gathering of people who are in Christ on the basis of his finished work, his death and resurrection for sin. We are his body, the body of Christ. And if we lose the Lord Jesus and we forget about his gospel, then we lose faith. We lose connection. We lose everything. We don't belong if we let go of the gospel. And therefore, there is therefore no grounds for expecting God to be amongst us or for there to be any unity amongst us. We are people who give ourselves to Jesus as Lord, the risen King. That's the contract exchange. Jesus has done all the work. We give ourselves in faith to him. We follow him as Lord. That's the contract. We're to be single-minded about following him. Human beings have always wanted to, by our nature, we seem to want to follow people who give us a sense of hope, leaders. And so a whole nation followed this people, and other, people from other nations followed this man called Adolf Hitler. And they gave everything for him, and 50 million people lost their lives. A guy called Marx wrote a manifesto. Lenin created a revolution, strengthened and enforced by Stalin. And millions of people said, yes, we want this new world of equality. And they gave their lives and we had 50 years of corruption and decay and bullying. ISIS comes along and says, we're going to set up an Islamic caliphate. It's going to be utopia because we'll be doing what Allah says according to the... Hadith, it's going to be just the place to be, but we need to kill everybody else. And it was hell on earth. Anything but heaven. We give our lives to Jesus Christ. I belong in him. I belong with his people, for he is the risen, conquering king of the universe. We do not belong here at church because we do good lunches. We do not belong because we like the music. We do not belong because there's a great kids program upstairs. We do not belong because I have lots of friends here. None of those are adequate. The only foundation for our belonging and finding our place in the family of God, particularly here at Penno, the only reason we can say this is my home is because Jesus died for my sins and I've committed myself to him as Lord. I belong because of Jesus and his gospel and there I find my security and my comfort. Now after the contract is signed, You're given the keys. It's a wonderful moment. The keys are not the house. They're just keys. They're worth about 
but they are security on the house. They are your entrance sign. They are the seal that says, this house is now your home. With the keys, we get access to all the benefits of the new home. No keys, no house. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he told his disciples that he was going away from them. And and so they get anxious because they've been following him. So he promises them security, a down payment. You'll soon receive the keys to your new home. Jesus says to his disciples in John 16, You're filled with grief because I've told you these things that I'm going away. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send my Holy Spirit to you, who will teach you all things. Jesus says in John 14, Peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you as I give you my Spirit. The keys to the new home. It's the promise of God that God will be present in everyone who follows Jesus, every believer. The Spirit is a down payment. The Spirit is security. And this promise from John 16 and 14 is repeated in Acts. It's as if Jesus says, you'll soon have a new home. You'll find your place in the family of God. So on one occasion while he was eating with them from Acts, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit like the agent saying, don't go anywhere because I'm about to go and get the keys. And you can't go anywhere without the keys in this new house. And with the Spirit comes power. I've lost connection here. Aaron, you're going to have to clickety-click through. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives power for kingdom growth. The Spirit is necessary for the home to be home. No Spirit of God, no power, no church, no home, no belonging, no Spirit. All you have is a dead and lifeless bunch of people gathering as a social club or worse, or a museum. I've got a mower at home. We were given it when um, we got married by Anna's brother. I've been mowing my lawn with it for many, many, many years. It's completely useless. Now, all the bits and pieces there, I'll tell you why it's completely useless. Because in my garage, there are two empty petrol cans. My mower is useless. To make it useful, I need to go to the petrol station and get some fuel. And put it in the mower. Without fuel, it's just a paperweight, a very big paperweight. And so it is that churches can seem to have all the right bits in place. And they are dead. 
They can hold to all the doctrinal truths and quench God's spirit and let allow the root of bitterness to grow in with them so that their doctrinal purity becomes cause for infighting and self-righteousness. Churches can have all the bits and pieces in place, all the structures. They can argue about their constitution. They can argue about organs. They can argue about what songs they sing. They can argue about the carpet. They can argue about how you're treating my children or not treating my children. And have little passion for Jesus and his kingdom and basically be conforming to the world. They get... Take the, they put the wrong thing in the fuel tank. And there's no power. There's no church. And wonder why the mower doesn't work. So we get a consultant. I was at a church finance seminar yesterday. Really helpful. Really good. I could implement everything that was recommended, or we, or with your help, everything that was recommended at that finance seminar, and it will do not one bit of difference if God's spirit is not at work in our fellowship. And we are not... And, and we are not being open to the work of God's Spirit. We might even get a lot more money in our coffers and even spend more money, but we won't be doing any good work without God's Spirit. And you see in the Acts of the Apostles that where God's Spirit is work is at work, there is church alive and there are lives being changed. There is power to change. The Spirit brings unity in the gospel. The, church, the Spirit makes a church where you can belong, where you can feel secure and know power, God's power. See, how would you like it if you belonged to a church family that was characterized all the time by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Wouldn't that be a powerful family, a powerful community? They are the fruit of God's Spirit. Galatians 5. I was talking to a friend of mine who visited another church recently. She comes to our church. This is a good story for our church, a bad story for another church. She's, she was talking there and she said, Oh, I go to Pentecost. I said, Why do you go to that church? It's you know, a bit of a drive for you. And they, She said, Well, the people there are really loving. It's a very loving church. I was encouraged to hear this, obviously. And the person she was spoken to says, oh, this is not a loving church. Speaking of their own church, I'm thinking, that's all. Now, she may have just bumped into one particularly cranky person in that church. Those people do exist. But that's a terrible thing to say. That says there's no spirit. That this is not a loving church. And I'm pleased that my friend could say Penna was a loving church and I pray even ever, ever, ever more so. Because that is the work of God's Spirit. No spirit, you don't even have the keys to the house. There's no entry. In fact, there's no house because there's no enjoyment of any blessings. There's no kingdom. We need God's Spirit. When you get a new home, you inevitably start to imagine what life will be like in that home. You know, what's it going to be like using that kitchen or working in that garden or live, watching that garden? What about the street? What about the layout of the house? How is that going to work for us? Where am I going to put my furniture? What about the suburb? 
What's life going to be like in the new house that God gives us by His Spirit through the gospel? Well, we know it's going to be a house that abounds in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. We know that should be the case. And we know because it's a wonderful house that Jesus provides, it should be secure and comforting. And so we might imagine that church should be like a holiday home. Secure, comfort, and we can sit around feeling good and eating and resting. But that is not the church Jesus builds. Not now. Jesus, the church that he creates, is more like a caravan and not a holiday caravan like this one. The church that Jesus creates is more like a caravan. See, this house, this gathering is not the end. It's not the final destination. There is, I pray, rest and love and joy and peace. But it's a hopeful rest that is working for a better day, a more secure final residence, the fullness of God's kingdom. I don't know if you've ever watched Grand Designs. I love watching Grand Designs. Uh, one of the handful of shows I actually enjoy watching. <coughs> but they often have on Grand Designs, they're building this massive house, super-duper house. And the couple will go and live in a caravan while they're building the house or live in some temporary, difficult, tough accommodation. And maybe some of you have done that while you've been in a building project. Lived rough while you build because you want to be on site. You want to know what's happening and there is work to be done for the final house, for our forever home. <clears throat> to use that horrible language. Our church, church today, is living in the caravan working for the forever home. This is not the final destination. And so as we do that, you see, we're, we're, we're living rough to work. We're to be outward focused. We're to be hopeful for others, for the kingdom to come. We need to be mission minded and other person centered. So the disciples, they, they, they ask Jesus, they come and they say, Oops, they, I think Aaron and me both did the same thing at the same time, I don't know. They gathered around Jesus, the disciples come to Jesus in Acts 1 and they say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, is it going to be now that we have the forever home? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but for now... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And here's what you're going to be doing. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. There is work to be done. You're not in your forever home yet. We've got to spread the good news, the gospel. Look, in Pennant Hills... In Sydney, New South Wales, Australia, and even to the ends of the earth. As we wait for the return of the Lord Jesus. Because our belonging now is actually to be filled with a sense of anticipation. In fact, we're to be united in our anticipation. 
We are not going to stay in the caravan forever. There is a forever home. We're waiting for the day that Jesus returns. The fullness of the kingdom comes. In fact, in Luke's in this passage, Luke records Jesus returning to the Father, what we call his ascension. And he leaves with a promise. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. You are to be working and living in anticipation of that day. Now is not the day to be gazing up into heaven. Now is the time of anticipation. And it's to be communal. If I can go back to my little pick here, we're like sailors on a ship in the Navy. And we've been out and it's been really, really hard whether we've been at war or on mission. But we're going home. And we're all working on the ship together because we've got a great purpose. And we come around Sydney Heads and there's anticipation because I'm going home. And we're working together. And we're doing the work of the kingdom as servants of the king or the queen. But we're going home. There's anticipation. Are we there yet? Not yet. There's still work to be done. Are we there yet? Not yet. The Saviour hasn't returned, but there's still work to be done. Now is the time to be witnesses. And the book of Acts is that story. The story of Jesus' church. The story of Jesus' spirit. The story of Jesus' continuing work. As people receive the gospel, the good news, they give their lives to Jesus and they're empowered by the spirit. And the spirit builds amongst them a deep sense of belonging and love and sacrifice. And because of that, the good news of Jesus spreads like wildfire from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. That's the story of Acts. And that glorious hope of people captured by Jesus, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, that is the necessary conditions. That is the fertile soil for a growing, life-changing church. That is a church where you can belong. And find your place in the family of God. See, so this year we do, our theme is we want to encourage a greater sense of belonging within God's family, both with this caravan and for the eternal forever home in heaven. We do face, however, the danger that we prioritize belonging as a value above the grounds of our belonging, which is Jesus and his finished work. And there is a danger that we imagine that we can generate this sense of belonging by our own strength because we like one another, because I'll be nice to the person sitting next to me, because I'll sit in a different seat next Sunday. Now, we need God's Spirit to open doors of true unity and belonging. 
And we must not think that we will find a true sense of belonging together without mission, without a calling to a higher purpose of seeing the good news spread from here to the ends of the earth, without a passion for the return of Jesus and entering our final forever home. It's a great hope. And the good news for all of us is the deal's done. The deal is done. All we need to do is receive Jesus. He's purchased our security and opened the door and given us the keys and invited us to walk in step with his spirit, doing his work to the praise of his glory. May we do that, and as we do that, find a greater sense of belonging. Let me pray. Father, we do pray that we'd all find our place in your family, working for your kingdom, waiting for your kingdom, rejoicing in your gospel, and encouraging others to join with us. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.